This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. Joining me as always is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. Just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Of course, you can see this really nice Sherwood stick here. It's beautiful and a nice picture of Matthew Kachuk and Emily Clark. And of course, thank you to Ben MGM as always. So uh, thank you guys for everything. Uh, it's been a while since we've been back in the studio. True. It was before the World Juniors and mm-hmm. uh, that, was, uh, that was fun. So we did a bit of a recap after the Juniors, but kind of what was your whole experience like there in Edmonton for... I guess you were only there for a few days. True. Yeah, I was there for the medal round. And you know what? It was tough. It was August. There wasn't anybody there uh, until the gold medal game uh, where I think there was sort of 10, 12,000 people. The hockey was pretty good by the end. I I feel like it was a notch down uh, the usual pace, Mm -hmm. which is to be expected. But, I mean, certainly high drama in the gold medal game uh, between Canada and Finland. It really can't ask for more um, from the Mason McTavish bat down uh, to the Kent Johnson mm-hmm. golden goal. So I, I think it was a good jump start for a lot of players. It got me excited for a lot of players that are going to be either going for NHL spots or just, you know, sort of ramping up their the next step of their junior careers, you know, guys like Jesper Wallstead and Simon Edvinson, mm-hmm. you know, who will be coming over to North America. So in that respect, uh, it, it was pretty fun just to see the players in August and just to sort of remind yourself what the pool of the next generation looks like. Yeah. And it was, you know, it, it was kind of fun seeing which teams or which players can kind of get ready the quickest because a lot of these mm-hmm. players are not used to playing this hell of a hockey. And I asked Connor Bedard that it's like, you do a lot of training in the summer. Like, is this any different? He's like, like I'm not like I'm used to playing hockey in the summer, but not at this competitive level. So it was a bit like tough at first, and he scored a few goals, so he did okay. But yeah. uh, I'd say like that was you know like, for what it was, the fact that the tournament had no COVID cases and they were testing for True. it. To be fair, but they would if a player had symptoms, the teams would still look and say, yeah. and, and we didn't have to worry about that. So that was really nice. It, the tournament went off without a hitch, essentially. On the ice, which is good. No major injuries. Shout out to Boston Pizza. We went there every day. It felt like uh, not one of the few places that were open pretty late. I'm a little disappointed I didn't get to West Edmonton Mall. Uh, That was completely my fault. But uh, (laughs) I also learned, like, just like if you don't have access to a car, it was not easy getting out there because it's not close to the downtown core. And it's like I didn't have a bus pass. And it was like, "Ah, you know, this is going to be a lot of work to just go in the water park there. So I didn't end up doing it. Also going to water park by myself on those, like, couple off days before anyone was around. That'd be a little weird. Because it was actually, truly, a lot of people were missing games. So it was like, I I was, I don't know, wasn't going to do that myself. So (laughs) it was what it is. I also spent a lot of time at Chopper's Drug Mart getting groceries. Uh, Again, one of the only places that seemed to be open at certain times. Uh, But yeah, we're back. And uh, it's nice to be back in the studio, back uh, with good equipment, back with uh, uh, ready to talk some hockey. And this one is always a fun episode because it's not specific to what's going on right now. It's our mailbag episode. And uh, it's actually, if I look, I looked at the views beforehand. This is typically one of our most popular episodes. So I don't know if you guys are just bored in the summer, or you guys just want to hear your question. We got a lot of great questions today. Yes. Um, so let's. I guess we let's get started with that. Let's do it. Uh, the first one, and I, I just assume that this is the lead singer of um, of Disturbed, David Draymond. It just says Draymond. Uh, which UFA signing has the potential to be the most underrated one this summer? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, call it recency bias, if you will, but I really like Paul Stastny signing in Carolina. I like that one too. Yeah, I mean, so one point five million dollars, and you look at the Hurricanes. I, I think I, I'm saying it early. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, or at least they'll have a, you know, they'll have a chance to go for it. You look at, you know, Sebastian Ajo is their clear-cut number one center, obviously. Jordan Stahl is their shutdown center, obviously. You need a guy in the middle. And, you know, they have options. They have guys that can play center and wing. But Paul Stastny, I feel like he can be that sort of stable uh, second-line center veteran guy you know plays with some jam had 21 goals last year yeah he had a good season last year had a good season and you know you look at the high-end wingers that carolina has and sure you know max pacioretty is not going to be available until kind of mid-season uh because of his surgery but you know svechnikov teravinen you know netish 
you know, uh, Seth Jarvis, you know, they've got options up front where they can spread things around. So I, I think, you know, getting Paul Stastny one year, 1.5, that to me is very savvy uh, from GM Don Waddell, who's had an amazing summer because let's not forget, you got Brent Burns as well. Cap friendly says they're right now 2.6 million over the cap. So we'll see how that kind of ends. Up. I wonder if that's with Pacioretty. Well, it has Pacioretty listed as, uh, as injured reserve. Yeah. Okay. Just regular injured reserve. So mm. that will, that will change. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I guess, I must have missed a few things. I went camping for a bit. Derek Stepan signed a professional trial contract with the team. I mean, he was there last year, so I, I guess this is sort of a, you know, could you be our fourth line center or our thirteenth forward? This is this is PTO season. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it's I, I love the PTOs like that when you get yeah. guys who are like, we know we're better than a PTO, but let's see what you could do. Yeah, which I'm now wondering if PK Subban is the next PTO option. Mm. Um, but this is someone where like I, I completely missed that signing. But Stastny going there for one point five million dollars, he's like the only guys with lower salaries on the team forward wise, Seth Jarvis and Lane Peterson. Yeah, so that's incredible value for what you're getting there. Yeah, and <laughs> Seth Jarvis is on an entry level deal. That issue, yeah. and and Lane Peterson's just on a league minimum, so yeah. there's that. But th- then you look at that, and it's like, man, like Phil Kessel contract also looks like totally like, wow. All right, so uh, will he? He won't play as key of a role, but he'll be playing with, in theory, better players. Yep. He played sure. on an Arizona team that lo- tried their hardest to not score. Yeah. Vegas is still trying to make the playoffs here, so I do expect kind of a, a bitter thing there. Uh, my pick though was was Colin White to to Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the beginning, and I we, we talked about before the he even signed anywhere. It's like, this is the type of guy where Ottawa let him go. There still seemed like there was promise, but it was clearly not working there anymore. He needed a new a new home, and it didn't look like it was going to be easy to get a move. This could be, like, he's got skill. He proved in previous, like, in, early on in his career, junior levels, and, and, and everything like that. Like, he's got enough skill that you can't ignore him. So I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out, because I think to, he has the potential of being Florida's next, like, out of nowhere guy that turns into be Mason Marchment style player. Maybe not Mason Marchment numbers, but like mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and gets 40 points next year, especially with, I know they're not the same position, but Anthony Duclair not playing. Right. That's another guy that can now kind of fill a role and maybe he plays more wing. Maybe, I don't know, who did, we'll see. But to me, I'm thinking like Florida, that was a no-brainer deal. And and Florida was a team where when they were not, when when Barkoff and Huberdo were doing all the great stuff, but they couldn't do anything, anything into the playoffs, it was like they didn't have the scoring depth. Well, mm. now they've got scoring depth, and they're continuing to attract that scoring depth talent every year. And I think Colin White could be a difference guy there. Yeah, you know, going back to his NTDP days, you know, Colin White was a player that could do a lot for you, and you know, obviously a, a great athlete, and you know, he had sort of a two-way game. And I, I think when you look at Florida's lineup, as you mentioned, and you know, it's a bit of a different look now with Kachuk coming in, but you know, Kachuk and Barkov, guys like that up top. You know, Colin White, you know, you put him in a bottom six role where, you know, he's got a lot of sort of cover. Maybe he's a shutdown guy. Maybe he's that energy guy that, you know, pops in a goal here and there. Um, I I think there's real utility to him. So it'll be fun to see where he fits in. Next question comes from AvsWa33. Have the Avalanche done enough this summer to remain a true cup contender? And that was, I think, the big question. It was like... Well, you we saw what Tampa was able to do year after year and keep their team super competitive, and they're they still have to be one of the favorites for next year. Mm. But the Avalanche, they lost some really key pieces of this team. Yeah. So when you're looking at what they've done, they lost Darcy Kemper, they lost Nazem Kadri, and lost a few others. Those two alone are like, whoa, that's that's a big loss. Yeah. And and you go out there and bring Georgiev, who from the Rangers, who you're hoping would be good, but. He's not, he kind of got exposed last year when how good Shosturkin was playing. Mm-hmm. And Georgiev, with the same team in front of him, was not playing anywhere. He was near the bottom, basically, in a lot of the stats. Do you think this team has done enough to stay a contender for the Cup? Yeah, I think that, and again, you know, it, it, it's August. Uh, I could see them getting to the Cup, but not winning it. Because um, essentially, you have two backup goalies. Right now, yes. you're hoping that one of them steps up and becomes the starter, but, but you don't know that for sure. Correct. Now, having said that, they didn't need Kemper that entire run. I mean, he got hurt. That's and, true. Very know, true. Francois came in and and was fine. They're very much a team that just needs, you know, adequate goaltending because they had such firepower. Now, having said that, no more Nazem Kadri, mm-hmm. and they didn't replace him. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, you know, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. 
to a lesser extent, Nachushkin, um, who obviously was amazing in the playoffs. But, you know, you're not as deep as you were up front. Now, can a player like Alex Newhook step up? Possibly. That's, that's kind of the X factor there. The, yeah, yeah, that's what they need. And then you look at the blue line and, you know, with Samuel Girard coming back, technically the blue line is going to be even better mm-hmm. because obviously Kale McCarr, you're going to be getting, you know, Norris caliber Kale mm-hmm. McCarr again. Bowen Byram, who is excellent in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you're going to see him be even more consistent and hit another level because he's still so young. Uh, and then you'll have a healthy Samuel Girard. Yep. So you have everybody you had last year and Taze a little bit more. Or Johnson, Devontae, Manson, yeah, like, you'll have Josh Manson the whole year. Curtis uh, McDermott can do stuff. I, he can fight. Yeah. Right? Like, so if he'll you probably be more of a winger than a defenseman yeah. in that in that respect. But this is a team where I can see them, you know, they have enough talent at the high end that they'll probably be able to bully their way through at least the early rounds. And then, you know, you see what happens in the conference final, who they play and, and what the, you know, injuries, things like that. When it comes to the final, I'd be worried about their goaltending not being good enough uh, when you face what's obviously going to be a very good opponent from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm a little underwhelmed with kind of what they did this summer, but it's like, again, like you said, they didn't need Darcy Kemper to be incredible. Granted, though, Fantos, he, he shut out the Oilers, essentially. He did. But if you look at his numbers, they weren't great either. No. So it's like he wouldn't face a ton of shots and would allow too many goals in comparison. Mm. So you you got to hope. And he's had injury issues, too. He missed, I believe, like the whole lockout or the COVID-shortened season. Uh, so you kind of hope that this guy can come back and be pretty good. And then you got Georgia, who's got a lot to prove at this point. And they, he's got three-year contract. They they believe in him. Let's see what you could do. And I think that, you know, they're both on cheap deals where they can also be traded if they need to. But That's true. Um, so we'll see kind of how that works. That, that to me, I'm, I'm, I'm underwhelmed from the goaltending perspective. And Cap Friendly says they actually have $3.9 million. Mm-hmm. I, I was convinced they were going to get Paul Stastny. Bring oh, back, yeah. Yeah, assuming sure. like that's a still a good deal. Like that, like that's a type of guy where he's not Nazem Kadri, but he still brings you the veteran leadership, and you know might still be a 40, 50 point guy. Yeah. Uh, now it just makes Carolina like dang. <laughs> like the the fact they managed to swing that is like this this yeah. team's gonna be something to watch. But for sure. uh, yeah, for for me, I don't, I don't think Colorado's done enough to win the cup again, but they'll be a contender, and yeah. I, that was what the question was: Are have they done enough to to remain a true cup contender? I still think they will. And there's also something to be said where you have veterans like Andrew Cogliano and Darren Helm, both of whom, uh, you know, I know Cogliano was hurt for part of it, but I mean, they were awesome it's during awesome. the cup run. But with Cogliano, he was going for his first cup ever. Helm hadn't won in, you know, like a decade. when he He's like the, the glue Red guy. Wings. He's the kind of the guy that's yeah. there for playoff, like, value. Yeah, so what do you get out of those guys over an 82-game season? Plus, now that that sort of, I mean... Players want to, don't get me wrong, players want to win the Stanley Cup every year, but once you do it, you know, there can be an emotional letdown. They didn't acquire Corey Perry. Exactly. So they so, still have a shot at the Cup. They, they still can, can win it. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, this one is HH Ziggity. It's a good name. If Patrick Kane was to be traded, and we actually have a story coming up uh, Tuesday today on the hockey news about that, uh, what teams make the most sense for him? And it's still like, man, I just, I couldn't imagine. My, my, my concept was that he was, if anything, he was just going to retire early and stay in Chicago, but mm-hmm. he's still got enough good hockey to play. He's still playing excellent hockey, yeah. And, you know, I've said this for years now, Buffalo makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Right now is probably a good time to do that, too. This is the time, because here's the thing with Patrick Kane. I mean, he's got his cups. Mm-hmm. He's got his Hall of Fame resume. He's going to go down as maybe the best American player ever when he retires. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe somebody will pass him in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, best American-born player of all time. You can talk about Brett Hull's citizenship and figure that out. Um, but he's a local boy. Mm-hmm. And the Sabres, they're starting to build something nice there. They're getting the good vibes. They have the cap space mm-hmm. to absorb, if not the entire $10.5 million, then at least most of yep. it and for him i think it's an opportunity to be a leader in a different place and and really make sort of a uh, an impact as sort of a, a second act of his career because we know chicago is not going to make the playoffs Correct. this year they're not going to make 
playoffs next year. It's it's going to be a slog. But for Patrick Kane, he's still got juice in the tank. Mm-hmm. So for me, Buffalo makes the most sense. The only other market I could see in terms of having a similar impact would be Detroit. And the idea of him going from Chicago to Detroit, you know, the original six rivals, <laughs> both Midwest. It, and, you know, Patrick Kane doesn't have any connection to the Red Wings. He did play for the NTDP, uh, which, you know, at the time was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Now it's in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, that one, it, it doesn't have the same hook for me as the Sabres, uh, but it's a similar situation. It's funny because for me, when I'm looking at the Sabres, it's like, okay, the oh, the hometown boy thing. We hear about this all the time when it comes to free agency and trades, and then it almost never happens. True. Gujo, uh, for example, didn't exactly go home. Um, but it makes makes the most sense. They have $19 million in cap space, but they, they actually have one guy who they're still paying uh, on the buyout. Do you know who that player is? Ooh, I want to say Vili Leno, but that's probably too See, my, my first thought was Christian Erhoff, and he, he's technically part of the dead cap, but it's $0. Okay. It's one more year of Cody Hudson. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, $791,000. All right. So, But they still have $19 million in cap space, which yeah. is nuts, but it's because they've got so many young guys on this team. Yeah. Cousins, Krebs, Quinn, uh, Power, uh, Samuelson. They're going to have to be paid at some point. Yeah. And they still have got some young goalies to throw in there, but that also kind of makes an interesting point. That's like... Yeah. What would it take for Buffalo to go out there and get Patrick Kane? And it's like, I think on one part, you got to look at one of Buffalo's goalie prospects. And I think, yeah, it's like given the player Patrick Kane, it's like, would you be willing to give Loken in for it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a good sort of like, if, if I'm playing GM here, uh, if I'm Kevin Adams, I say, okay, well, I got Luke in it. I also have Eric Portillo still at the University of Michigan. He's going to have a huge role this year with the Wolverines. So I do have options. Devin and Levi. You got a bunch of picks. Devin Levi. If you, can, if you could trade Devin Levi and a couple of picks for Patrick Kane, that would be massive for the Sabres. Because we don't expect – he's small. He's small, yeah. If, if, I'm, if I'm Chicago, I'm probably asking for Luokanen because he's under control too. Like, keep in mind, Eric Portillo is not signed. He's sure. in the NCAA. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm Chicago, i probably say, well, I want the safest bet, which would – and granted, you know, Luokanen has had some injuries and he's still developing. But, you know, he's got the size. He's got the pedigree. He's already in the pro ranks. He is under contract. Uh, so that would be the safest. That would be a very interesting deal to see. If it was a goalie and some high-end picks, which goalie would it be? Maybe they really want Craig Anderson back. He's a former Blackhawk. Maybe That's very true. Probably not. <laughs> but, or is it like J.J. Pateka? But would Buffalo do that? Maybe not. Well, you get Patrick Kane. <laughs> you do get Patrick Kane. It's, it's like, true. I don't know. It's like you get Kane and you're throwing him with any of your young guys. Yeah. It's like, if he and Quinn were both kind of shooting on the wing, like, yeah, <laughs> that's not fair. It's true. But it's assuming Quinn could kind of like, like and keep in mind, Patrick Kane last year of his contract. So this might be a one-year deal. Well, you would hope, well, again, there's no guarantees. You exactly. would hope he would stick around. You would hope so, but you never know. But if he, if it's a one-year deal, then the price wouldn't necessarily be as high. Would he even go to Buffalo in that case? You'd want, think you'd want to go to a contender if you're Patrick. Potentially, yeah. yeah, and it's like. Buffalo's- but again, you've got that big salary. How many contenders could swallow even like half that? Buffalo was a team that for a long time it's like I felt so bad for the fans, but like it's getting exciting right now. It's starting. Yeah. It's starting to become real. starting to get fun, and it's crazy that it took trading Jack Eichel for it to happen. It's true, but you know what? I mean, sometimes it's those big trades that really get things going. You look at, you know, Toronto, for example, mm-hmm. you know, like the Phaneuf trade and Phil Kessel and guys like that, where it's like, okay, we thought this was our core. Turns out it's not. We got to go in a different direction. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's the thing for Toronto. It worked out really well where you had these guys who were like star players. It didn't end up working. And because it didn't end up working, you get these better players. You get Austin Matthews. You get Austin Matthews Carter, and Mitch yeah. Turner. But it's like, they still haven't also achieved anything yet. True. So there's still that. Exactly. And I know Leafs and Sabres fans will keep going out. Like, oh, you guys haven't achieved anything, blah, blah, blah. You, oh, the Sabres have won more playoff series than Salaga, blah, blah, blah. It's like, in the end, neither of them have really achieved anything. Right. But they're both looking positive. And I think that's yes. that's good because if you want that rivalry to be good. Totally. There used to be some incredible Leafs and Sabres games. Oh, for some sure. Some of my favorite, like, NHL rivalry games with those two. Yeah. So I'd like that to continue, though. And the fans, you know, sometimes fun reading what they have to say on Twitter on both sides. 
Uh, exertion has two questions. And this one is, what do you think the chances are of Gujo being a 110-point player next season? That's the first one. Uh, I'm going to go out and say zero, but <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would say 110 is, it seems like a little much. And, you know, we don't know what Columbus's system is going to look like necessarily because of this influx of talent, but... You know, I would say you're probably looking more in the 90 to 95 point range this year. Um, one thing to consider is that Calgary was one of the best possession teams in the NHL last year, third overall. Columbus was bottom 10. So, you know, and, you know, question, of course, how much can a guy like Goudreau impact that, right? You know, how much can he uh, bring to the table where maybe you bring Columbus up a bit in the possession ranks. But if you're just going off last year, he's not going to have the puck as much as he used to. So just based off that alone, you say, okay, well, you know, he's going to come down a little bit. Maybe he's not triple digits, but he's high 90s. And I, I and again, st- I think that's still an incredible season and Columbus could be uh, successful enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, like he, if he's not going to go out there and, and he, he doesn't have the same support that Calgary did. Calgary was on the winning end of more games than not. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, if he hits 90 points, that's actually a record for the team. Well, there you go. Uh, Artemi Panarin had the best uh, 87 points in 2018-19. He had 82 points the year before that. Rick Nash uh, was close to 89 or 80, but he had 79. Uh, Ray Whitney, 76-point season, 2002-2003. Good for him. Ray go. Whitney was the guy that just never went away until he eventually did. But he, just, he was good like his whole career. Totally. But so this is he has a chance to become like the first ninety point player, and and, and maybe it becomes a hundred point down the year. It's yeah. the, my issue is like who's going to be the center that really pushes things there? Yeah, and I think you know it's, it's probably Boone Jenner to start. See, and, like that's the issue. That's why I don't think he's going to go yeah. get it. But again, and and this sort of goes into I think the next question about Patrick Line is. It's I think it'll just be kind of a differently put together line, kind of like Marty Saint Louis. Uh, when he was on the wing in Tampa, where you know at one point he was a premier setup guy mm-hmm. um, for Steven Stamkos, who was the center. So with Boone Jenner, I think what you're looking at is the big guy on the line. And I know Patrick Laine is big too, but you know Boone Jenner is like the bruiser, the defensive conscience, um, you know the the sort of facilitator. He's the utility guy, and Gaudreau's the playmaker. Laine is the sniper. So it, it certainly could work. You just you know when you get to camp, you see how it shakes out. Yeah, so, all right, we'll see where it goes. Marty St. Louis, I'll always, like, I know how good he was in the NHL, but for me, he will always be the greatest NHL video game player of all time. But NHL is six, you put speed burst on him, and you, could, you couldn't stop him. He was the fastest player on the ice. He go. was awesome. And I think it was Vincent LeCavie on the cover. Great game, anyways. Uh, but, yes, there's another question about the Blue Jackets, also from Exertion. Do you think Liney has an outside chance of scoring 50 with Gujo after scoring a 40-goal place play, playing with four check last season, which is a very interesting question because we know Line can put up big numbers. Yeah. It has been a while since we were really wowed by what he could do offensively, but mm. I think now that he's he's got a shot. Yeah, and again, Goudreau and, you know, whatever chemistry they can put together is like the big X factor here. Um, thing about 50 is, you, can, you know, you can get a lot of those in the power play. So yeah. if Columbus's power play can click and Line A can, you know, find himself in office, then, yeah, I mean, we know he's got that amazing shot. Um, and now he's got, you know, a, a guy like Goudreau, one of the best passers in the league. If they click, it's certainly possible. Yeah, like it's it's he's probably got the best support that he's had uh, since he came to Columbus. Mm-hmm. In Winnipeg, he obviously had some decent support there, but since he's come to Columbus, this will be his best shot, I think, at, at, at hitting 40, 45, 50. And 40 goals for him is still a good thing because I'm going to go and look at how many 40 goal scorers they've had, but I can tell you it's not many. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Atkinson and Rick Nash twice. Yeah. Uh, so Cam Atkinson was part of that 2018 19 team. That was a lot of fun to watch, but uh, the one that beat Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you know, like this is a shot here where, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think fifty. I'm going forty-three. That just feels like a good. Number. Okay. And and maybe it takes a year or two, and then maybe he becomes a fifty-point guy. Yeah. 50 I'm, gonna say, guy. I'm gonna say forty-five. Okay, well, that's pretty close. So yeah. people write that down. That's that's our decision. Forty-three and forty-five. Uh, all right, back to faith level questions. Uh, Marcel Bowles, and there was a few people who asked kind of a similar question. What's your faith level in Toronto's goaltending situation for 2022-23? And I, I'll start by saying, 
I've warmed up to it a bit more than I thought. Okay. First, but I'll, let's hear yours. Okay. So I was trying to figure out how I could express this in like a one out of, you know, like one to 10 number. Uh, I'm going to say seven because it's going one of two ways. It's either going to be a total disaster yep. where it'll be like a three out of 10 or it'll be a masterstroke and it's like a nine out of 10 where feels like Samsonov has more potential at this point, even though Matt Murray has the Stanley Cup rings to his name. Um, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, like you look at the Washington Capitals and they've obviously been a very good team in recent years, but they're not a good defensive no, team. No, 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 no. <laughs> so what can Samsonov do on a team that has been much improved defensively over the past few years? That to me is the X factors. What what can he do when he's got a little bit of protection back there? So I think Samsonov could be the answer, and Matt Murray would be a fantastic one B. Who, again, you get to the playoffs, and like if Samsonov struggles early, then you go to Matt Murray because we we've seen him catch lightning in the bottle before. Um, so that's sort of the optimistic end. The pessimistic end is nah. Both of these guys just. You know, they don't have it. And then you're kind of stuck. See, uh, I I thought Matt Murray was younger than 28, but Mm. he's 28. Um, This is still two guys that have a lot to prove. And Murray is like, I'm a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Like, I've been a starter for most of my career. I can handle this. And you got Sam Sonoff, who is like, I was this high-rated prospect that never really got it together in Washington. They both have so much to prove. Yep. And I like when that's the situation, when you got two goalies that are really trying to say, like, I'm the best, no, I'm the best, I'm the best. And they had a battle to see which goalie would wear number 30 because they both wore number 30 their whole career. Matt Murray won it. Okay. Sam Sonoff's number 35. I, I'm kind of with you where I I, like, I know a lot of people kind of picked Murray as the, the number one guy, at least it feels like the online reception is. And part of that could be, you know, he's at the higher salary cap, mm-hmm. very cap hit, he's got the, the higher – like pedigree, but Samsonov's still younger. Uh, he's got a lot to prove, and we know he could be a very game-changing goaltender. Yeah. Uh, so I, f- I like the fact that they've got two to, two goalies that got a lot to prove. I'm not sure if I want both of them to both be equally good, or like we want one to be better than the other. And you've got that number one guy, right. which you, could you, you do want that number one guy. It's good to have a number B, but it's like these two guys we know could play good hockey and mm-hmm. could be good players and. I think that that's exciting if you're a Leafs fan, but also terrifying. Totally. <laughs> Where you're cutting two guys coming off like their worst seasons of their careers. It's like, yeah. that's not exactly... When you have Jack Campbell, who was putting up like Vesna caliber numbers first half of the season, mm. and you let him go, and you bring in two guys who are at the bottom of the standings stat-wise, yeah. like, that's, that's tough. But Yeah, plus Samsonov never played for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. So that's why he didn't get number big, three. Yeah, big so, move by Kyle Dubas. Yeah, he went. He went out of his comfort zone. But, right. um, like that's just a, such a meme at this point. Like at first, it was like a couple. Play- no, it's like every all the yeah. time. It's yeah. like all key acquisitions. Yeah. He he was trying to get Matthews to go to Sault Ste. Marie at hey. some point. Maybe next year he'll go there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not I'm nervous for this group, but at the same time, I think it's exciting to see two goalies that have a lot to prove. Yes, and that's where I'm, that's, I'm glad I can't get fired over it. Yes. Yes. You see, Colorado's got a similar situation. Two goalies. Totally. Not not to say young goalies, but two goalies with a lot to prove. But at least they got that ring. Stanley That's, Cups solve a lot. Yes. It's yeah. more fun to win two, though. Exactly. It's more fun to keep that group together. Yeah. Anyways, that's what happened there. Uh, John Turner, what are realistic expectations for Kadri and Calgary? Can he hit 80 points again? And we were talking about it a bit after the signing happened. And it's like, when, when you look at the contract, you look at the term, it's what, $7 million per season for seven years? And he probably wasn't going to get that everywhere, or like the term-wise, because yeah. he will be like 39 or so. So yeah. that, that one's a little tough, but you got to think like, He's going to be a big piece of this team. And a lot of people were wondering, like, before they got rid of Kachuk, it's like, could Kadri go there mm. with Kachuk? And then they would work together, and then they obviously oh, made the trade. That would have been so fun. That would have been amazing. Everybody would have hated that line. Just that played sh- them. What should have happened? Yeah. Um, but now he's going to to a Calgary team where, you know, like, they saved their offseason. They certainly did. Brad, you living. Yeah, that's that's Magic, gonna, man. That's going, to be, that's going to be pretty cool to see. But uh, what kind of what are your expectations there? Yeah, you know what, 80, possibly. Uh, more likely, I think, 
70. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the combinations are up top where you've got Huberto, uh, you've got Elias Lindholm, you know, Andrew Mangiapan, um, you know, like they have that great defense core that can obviously, you know, certain guys can bring offense from the back end. Um, so I think realistically you're looking at 70 because we don't know what their power play formations are going to look like. Yep. We don't know who's, you know, going to play with Huberto. Um, you know, both Lindholm and Kadri are great two-way players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're very similar in that respect. Um, Lindholm coming up a coming up a fantastic season as well. That's going to be an insane one, too. It's a great Center one, two. too. Yeah, it's yeah. a great one, too. Um, so it, because of that, it, it's kind of hard to gauge who's going to be getting those plum minutes and who's going to be sort of second unit. I mean, maybe they're both on the power play. Who knows? You can certainly go with two centers. Um, but I, I think realistically, you know, let's call it 70. And then you've got sort of wiggle room on either, either side where it's like maybe 65, maybe 75. I, I wrote down like a potential power play unit and it'd be like Toffoli on one side, Kadri on the other, Lindholm in the middle, mm. Hannafin and Huberto shooting from the point. Oh, okay. It's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful. That's team. nice. It's yeah. not... Maybe not the Colorado Avalanche first line power play, but it's I'd say it'd be pretty good. So yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not expecting 80 points, but it's like even if he's getting 70, like we, that's still very valuable. And if you're totally. getting that for a few years, it's like if he is your number two centerman and he's putting up numbers like that. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, you think about the Flames and how good they are defensively, and you got Markstrom and Net. Um, you're gonna win a lot of games two to one. You know, two nothing, three to one. You're not. You don't have to be Colorado where you're winning games six to three. Um, Calgary. You know, we expected them to be a better playoff team, and obviously Markstrom uh, had himself a week there that he probably regrets. The worst week of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't need Kadri to have eighty five points. You need Kadri to have seventy points and shut down. You know, the McKinnons and McDavid's of the world when you play against them. So. I think, you know, if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, it's different from looking at it from a Calgary contender uh, point of view. Fair enough. So, all right. I'm excited to see how the end of that that contract works out, but I don't know. Maybe he's not there in Calgary at the end of his career. He might be in Seattle by that time. Or, Ari- or Arizona. Or Arizona. <laughs> yeah. If they're still kind of doing what they're doing now. Uh, all right. Uh, next question uh this is a more of a fun one um cheryl ham asks what's the best advice you got from journalism school mm. i would say because i was thinking about this and you know other than just like write as much as possible um you know and and this wasn't so much something that was said to me but so much as something i observed is you know get out there and you know when opportunities arise to work in newsrooms like on the weekend and things like that um take them on because i had friends that were getting jobs in newsrooms before they even graduated because they were going in on weekends or you know they had built off of internships that they had done in journalism school and so they made those connections they were in those newsrooms and then you know i mean it's great to get a degree but i mean with journalism the whole point is to get a job Mm -hmm in journalism yeah so that's what i would say is you know like you utilize those opportunities when they come up and then yeah i mean repetition is the key just write as much as possible yeah for kind of my points kind of similar which was for me was diversify uh was something i got from my very first journalism teacher and he says i don't care if you miss classes uh to go and do like work assignments like Mm. get get the job get the stuff done because to me you get a lot more value from what you're doing outside of school than what you're doing in school but the in school Mm. teach you the basics to make that work yeah and for me it was like i wanted to do tv i wanted to do podcasts i wanted to do uh, photography on top of writing and stuff like that. So being able to kind of do all that stuff gives you a lot more more skills, uh, which I think is very important. And obviously, like kind of when you went to school, kind of when I school, like there's been a yeah. lot of change in, in how a school is working and how journalism it doesn't works. even have the same name anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> TMU now. And That's right. I will touch on that later. Okay, I, 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 right. but I won't tell you why. Um, but uh, the uh, I think that this is. Yeah, I, diversify for sure, but also just like to take on as much as you can do and get those reps in. That's very important. I know a lot of people that I went to school with that 
didn't get journalism jobs right away, but were trying to get journal, journalism jobs later, who just didn't do a lot of work in that time when they weren't working mm-hmm. and they didn't, weren't doing a lot of writing. So it was like, it was hard for them to get back into it. And it's gotcha. tough. There is a, uh, there is a grind level to it. There's a lot of stuff there, but mm. um, it, it's, you know, it's, it could be a lot of fun. You could do a lot of cool stuff and open yourself to, I, I, I kind of said that I wanted to do sports back when I was in the like grade eight or grade nine. So I didn't want to do politics. But then I learned there's actually some fun stuff you could do with things that were not sports. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, doing some music stuff and music photography and kind of opening your stuff up to that. So I wrote um, about airplanes at one point. That's pretty after cool. After I had graduated. You, when you're freelancing, you just write about whatever you can get. And you can learn some co- cool stuff. You can maybe find a new passion, find some new stuff so, that you really like. Uh, it was through, like I always had interest in music, but from interviewing some music producers that I tried to learn how to make my own music. And it's just like stuff like that, that, you, you know, you could... They can help you even outside of work. So yeah. uh, those are two good ones. Back to hockey, though. Uh, Kaylee Pinkerton, what's your McKinnon salary prediction? Because he will be a, mm-hmm. a UFA. So, okay, this is super intriguing because McKinnon's always been a guy who's taken less yes. to keep the team together because he wanted to win a Stanley Cup. Now he's won a Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, check his hand. Yeah, he won something. Check that ring. Yeah. Uh, I think they might still be cleaning up the uh, the ticker tape parade in Halifax as we speak. Um, okay, so I'm going to say, obviously, it's an eight-year deal because he has earned it. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be in the, I, I'm going to say 9.5, which would make him the highest paid player on the team. Currently, Miko Rantanen is at 9.25. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just, you know, objectively as good a player as Miko Rantanen is... Nathan McKinnon, he's your center. He's one of the best players in the world. He's one of the best players <laughs> in the world. Um, you know, Kale McCarr is already signed, and he's at nine. Uh, so, you know, you can argue that McCarr is better than McKinnon. That's a great uh, conversation for a bar mm-hmm. uh, or a <coughs> pub, whatever. Mm-hmm. But McKinnon is going into this deal. If he, if he still wanted to be that team-first guy, then I say maybe he goes nine and says, I don't have to be the highest-paid guy. Um, but I think it'll more likely be 9.5 over eight years. Uh, obviously, he's older than Makar as well. Um, but that's what I would predict, 9.5 over eight years. There was a report that came out saying like he wanted like 11 or 12 or even $13 million. I mean, he like, could get it. It's like, <laughs> he'd be worth it. Sure. But I don't know. I think he wants to win another cup again. But he, it's, so like, it's like he... How old is he now? He is 26. Like he's got a long way to go. Yeah, uh, he'll make a lot of money over his career. Um, he's got that Tim Hortons money coming in. Th- that is true. Uh, I guess the part of it is the good news is they do have Kilmacher signed long term, yep. and you'll get some of these younger teams or younger teams, but teams with like star players come with contracts. They'll have a lot kind of going on in a row. They will have to worry about Bowen Byram, and they will have to worry about Alex Newhook. Yeah. But Eric Johnson comes off the books. Yeah, that's, he's, he's $6 million right there. That's $6 million right there. And uh, I believe that's the only like super kind of nuts one. Uh, mm. Trying to look here. Yeah, like that's next summer might be an easy one for them. Like yeah. JT Comfer is not going to be a lot of money. Andrew Cogliano, if he returns, and Darren Helm, they're under $2 million each. So for sure. that's easy to do. And uh, so I guess then you got to look at New Hook and you got to look at Ebola Byron, but they're not going to cost anywhere like McKinnon yeah. or, or. And they might even they might even be bridge contracts. Yeah. So. so Colorado might be able to swing this a while. I still think they got to bring in maybe. Again, they got a bit of cap space right now. They got three million dollars cap space. So mm. It's like could they use that into something where they could still bring in another decently impact player? I don't yeah. know. Um, but you know, people have been saying Colorado should get Subban. It's like how many defensemen do they need? They actually have. What they don't have too many defensemen, but they have as many as they will need they, for sure. They have like eight on the roster. Again, yeah, which is yeah. I think more than you need. And again, if like Josh Manson's probably a third pairing defenseman on this team. I think you're good. Yeah, totally. You don't need a PKC man. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I I I'm thinking like like he could get max contract, but I think he goes nine and a half. Yeah, I don't think he goes above ten, but we'll see. I also, I'm interested to see when they sign that contract. Also true. I don't think his performance this year matters. If he gets five points this year, I think yeah. we, we still know what he could do, right? For so, sure. Yeah. It's like unless he like literally like loses like all his limbs. Like, yeah. I, th- I think he's gonna make a lot of money. So uh, maybe maybe they get it done early just to. Get it done early, not risk him actually going to the market. That would be pretty scary. That'd be wild. I wouldn't be worried about that though. No. Uh, NYR shirts thirteen says after the World Juniors, what's Dylan Garan's NHL projection look like? Mm-hmm. He was the goalie for Team Canada. He was goalie for Team Canada, and I mean, he was the goalie they needed, which was just somebody to be good enough. Yep. Uh, didn't like that he gave up three to the Swiss. 
it's never really a good sign. A couple power play goals, though, I think. Yeah, it's still against the Swiss. Um, size is decent. I think he's in the 6-2, maybe 6-1 range. Um, and it's funny because he's a New York Rangers prospect. Obviously, Igor Shesterkin is going to be your, you know, elite starter for the next decade. So, I mean, if you're asking about potential, realistically, he could be your backup. Uh, you know, you put him in, you know, after his junior career is done, you put him in Hartford for a year or two because you want him to get reps, keep developing as a goalie. Then he's your backup where, you know, if he plays 25 games a year, uh, that's probably what you need from him. Um, but that would be my ceiling for him. I'm not, I'm not a huge believer to be honest, I think he could be a, a, a good NHL backup, but I don't see NHL starter right now. No, I, I think that's pretty fair. I, I I don't think there was ever the projection of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe they got rid of Tyler Wall, which I was kind of hoping he'd be something. But Yeah, because he had a very good start to his NCAA yeah. career, and then it kind of dropped off. Yeah, it was too bad because yeah. like he, I thought he could have been something. Plus a goalie named Wall is just amazing. It's a great name. Yeah. And it was like when Hayden Hockey showed up. True. And he was hoping he'd be something. Yeah. We need these good names. But uh, no, I... Uh, you know he's uh, he's a guy. Um, he was the goalie that Canada needed. Played yeah. well enough. Feel like I'm a little concerned that he falls down a lot. Not falls down. He goes too low a lot. Right. Like if you watch that, the the one that Mason McTavish saved, and McTavish like, why was I behind the goalie? Yeah. It's like well, he literally like laid like he was almost flat. And yeah. I have a couple of pictures I took of him where he's doing the same thing. Yeah. It was very avoidable if he didn't just fall to the ice. Yeah. So there's some coaching up. Yeah. That needs to be done. And and again, there's time for that. And you know, once he gets to the pro ranks and he's in the New York system, they can have him work with their guys and they can say, okay, well, here's what we need you to do. Here's where you can improve. And yeah, they go from there. Goaltending hasn't been a weakness of the Rangers in a very long time. No. So like when you when Lungfist in his final years wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't like horrible either and George yeah. F came in and played some solid hockey and then you bring in Shesterkin and he wins like a Vesna almost immediately it's like yeah. yeah it's it's been an okay time for the Rangers in net so yeah it's kind of about building the rest of that team which right now looks pretty solid it's true and we will definitely talk about them a lot more um all right Herminator what's your boldest prediction for 22-23 okay so I hope this isn't considered cheating because there's an element of luck to it but my bold prediction is that the New York Islanders draft Connor Bedard now, I'm not saying the Islanders finished last overall. Okay. I'm saying they will be eligible for the lottery. And for some reason, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about the Islanders. I was like, man, they have so many veterans on contracts that don't seem very movable. But they're holding on to both goalies, right? For now, at least. Mm-hmm. They've got Sorokin. They've got Varlamov. You know, GM Lou Lamorello easily could have traded Varlamov this summer because teams are desperate for mm-hmm. good goalies. Um, but he didn't. The re-signed, well, obviously they re-signed Noah Dobson. He was an RFA and he's the future for them. They still have a very intriguing defense core. They got Matt Barzal up front. They've got a couple of other guys that, you know, depending on the season, uh, you know, guys like Brock Nelson and Anders Lee can be pretty effective. But I was like, man... If they added Connor Bedard, who would be on an entry-level contract, so it wouldn't cost them too much in cap space, they could really hum. Mm-hmm. And if you look at them, they're probably not a I – I don't think they're a playoff team. See, I, I want to argue – Maybe they are. I, th- I think they're a wild-card team. They're certainly a – well, wild-card in both senses of the word. They could make, okay, yeah. they could make it as a wild-card team. Yeah, yeah. They could – if the Islanders finished like second in the division or seventh in the division, neither would surprise. We don't have to worry about them having a five thousand game road street road trip to start right. the season and, and, and huge COVID problem. Yeah, you hope you don't have a huge COVID problem again. And yes. Sorokin was fantastic last year. Yes, so so they have the potential to go one way or another. There's just something in me that says like, if they're eligible for the lottery, we've seen strange things happen. Maybe, you know, if they have like the seventh best odds or the fifth best odds or something. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a, a tragic team. They're not going to be in that, that pool right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But if they were in that next pool where they're still eligible to get first overall, because uh, you can only move up so many spots. Something tells me Connor Bedard, Islanders. So I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to think of what my boldest take was, and I landed on a take that ended up not being super bold. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the Ottawa Senators will make it to the playoffs. Okay. Um, 
It's somewhat bold because you've basically got three teams locked in in that division in Tampa, Toronto, and Florida. Boston, almost a lock. So I'll give it to you. Boston, still a little concerned about a few things on that team. Their Uh, start, based uh, on all the guys injured. Yeah, which I don't... I think we've that's been a few times, like the one time where Pasternak missed like the like first portion of the season, and then went on like an unbelievable route. Uh, yeah. I, I'm picking Ottawa to make the playoffs. Still a flawed team, still a work in progress, and we still got to wonder. Like, there's still the 2018 investigation to go on with the, with the Team Canada, and mm-hmm. that affects could affect a couple of their players on their team. Um, but I, I still think that you know I like their goaltending. Um, I like. The fact that Jake Sanderson's going to play some key minutes. Thomas sure. Shabbat, we know again how good of a player he is. Yeah. I think their offense looks pretty good. I think Claude Giroux is going to be a huge boost to this team. I think this is a playoff team. Okay. Not, not, they're not going to go too far. My other bold prediction was Florida was going to get out in the first round, but that's, again, not that big of a one. And I was wondering, okay, maybe could Toronto make it out of the first round? I still don't believe it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just always What if on. one of them plays Ottawa? Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I still I – still, I predicted – a while ago, Ottawa was going to be the next Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup, and so if, if the Leafs beat them, that doesn't exactly true. make that an easier thing to do. Uh, my, our last viewer question comes from I Hate Pepsi. Mm. Weird guy. I thought Pepsi tasted a little better than Coke. Um, recalled her trophy pick. Yeah. I like this one because it's a pretty good field this year. So my my initial thought is Matty Beneers mm-hmm. with Seattle. Uh, and not just because he had nine points in 10 games last year uh, when he came over. Uh, but I think he's going to have the opportunity to be the center on a scoring line. And, you know, he could have some pretty decent line mates. I mm-hmm. mean, you could, I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand could be on his wing. Sure. Right. Um, so I think he has the opportunity and, and the pedigree uh, to do it. And then I would say my sort of second one right now would be Kent Johnson in okay. Columbus, especially uh, due to Alexander Tessier uh, staying in Europe this year. That opens up a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And Kent Johnson, I think he's probably going to make it anyways, but this makes it a little bit easier to get in there. And then you look at what he's been able to do uh, in his career, playing against older competition in the NCAA. Uh, you know, he has international experience with Canada. Um, so I think he's ready. And then, of course, he gets the little jump start from the World Juniors where he played excellent, particularly in the medal round. Yeah. So to me, the first thing that came to my head was Mason McTavish. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way he played with – he's already off to an incredible start to the season. Totally. And probably could have played pro last year. And he's going to have some really good line mates. But the first name – I guess the second name that came to my head was Jack Quinn. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to have a good opportunity in Buffalo. Yep. And – when you look at like how Lucas Raymond played last year, he got immediately a great opportunity. Mm. I could see a similar thing for Jack Quinn. Uh, I know it's tough because there's some really good defense this year too yeah. uh, with Sanderson and Owen Power, but defense just never win this award. It's tough. Unless you, it's like super amazing. Like Yeah, you got to put up a lot of points. So, but Matty Beniers is also, like Matty Beniers is going to be an instant. My, my, my concern there is that Seattle's just not going to be a good team whatsoever. Right. That Matty Beniers will like, He'll, he might cap out at like 40 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's a, that's a good start. Yeah. Oscar Wonder if Shane Wright might be the better. He could be end up becoming the better rookie on that team, too. Like, certainly like, good. I don't think so, but like, yeah. it could. You never yeah. know. So, uh, I don't know. It's like, I'm going to go McTavish for me, number one, and then maybe Jack Quinn, number two. Mm-hmm. And I like Ken Johnson up there, too. Yeah. And uh, I would throw in Alex Holtz's name as well. Uh, just if he gets an opportunity in New Jersey to play with Hughes or. He sure, and he can light it up as a goal scorer, then he would have a chance to. And then, like, Shane Pinto? Possibly, if he can stay healthy, yeah. That's probably played a whole five games last year, but yeah. uh, he's he's a 21-year-old. He's a little older in rookie yeah. sense. So, And if not Jack Quinn in Buffalo, J.J. Pateka. Nah, I don't feel as confident on that one. But he had a, I think he had a better playoff run with Rochester. Fair. Yeah, fair. I just like would, yeah no okay fair I I I, don't, I still think that's a bit of a long shot but all right totally that's it for all the viewer questions it's my favorite time of the show and one of your favorite times for sure right. rapid fire it's my turn this time let's do it all right so 
I told you we had to ask you about uh, the Ryerson's team name. Yes. Uh, now it's now called TMU. Uh, so we both went to Ryerson. Yeah. Uh, the school's team name is now the TMU Brave, the Toronto Metropolitan Dope University. Bold. Bold. Sorry. Yeah, yes. bold. bold. Um, your thoughts on the name? And uh, what would you make it if you could have changed? Uh, it has to be TMU still. It still has to be TMU, yeah. Not uh, Toronto State or Toronto A&M, which I would have preferred <laughs> because I love uh, NCAA stuff. Uh, it's all terrible. Uh, I hate all of it. Um, I think in terms of naming the school, you could have found a different historical figure. Uh, maybe somebody, uh, you know, I mean, Louis Riel didn't have anything to do with Ontario. So maybe that's not a good one. But um, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, my pick, because they're going with a falcon for the mascot of the bold. Um, I mean, I guess we have falcons in this area, but my mascot would have been a raccoon because if you live in Toronto, raccoons are everywhere. <laughs> and how you right. <laughs> and but I'm not saying call the team raccoons because yeah, yeah, yeah. that just doesn't like flow. But you call them the prowlers or you call them the bandits, something like that. Prowlers is probably the best. I like that. Uh, and then you know your logo is like a raccoon. Like again, because I love NCAA stuff in the states. The mascot has to be like a like a smirking raccoon uh, wearing a little sailor hat that says TMU on it. And he's leaning on a big T or a big TMU. OK, you thought wait, you put way too much thought in that. You one. know, it's funny. It's like that took me like five minutes because it's just like that's what I think about all the time. Got it. Yeah. I, I came up with like a, I submitted some names and most of the names were stupid. I, I wanted to be called Ron. That's Fel not like you. No, I, I wanted to call it Ron Fellows University for the uh, the only the biggest Canadian like race car driver in sports car racing. Oh, okay. A little too obscure. Yeah, he should be on the $5 bill. That's a Twitter meme. Um, uh, I, I would go with the name I really like and wish should be used more is the Venom. Uh, Ooh, mostly because I like Spider-Man. Um, uh, but also because I think you could do like a really cool like like snake mascot totally. slash logo thing. Yeah. Um, you could have called it like the Fuzzy Peaches and it'd probably be still a better name than what they chose. And when, when they put those names as a finalist a few months ago, I tweeted them like, yeah, this this one's a bit of a joke. This one won't get picked. It picked. It's like you guys just found your favorite Microsoft like font. Like right. it's like, that's a terrible the name. TMU Comic Sans MS. It's like the name itself of the school is really boring. And it, again, it could have gone millions of different ways and I get why they just went really safe, but it's yeah. like, then the team name sucks too. Yeah. I thought the uniforms were really cool. So we'll see what they're, uh, they haven't released those yet. So we'll see what the hockey team jerseys look like. Right. Um, will the Oilers win the, win the, the, will the Oilers win their division this year? Yes. Yes, I believe they will. Uh, in terms of playoff success, I think they're probably a conference finalist again uh, or close to it. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of just accruing points, I think Calgary will be there too. Um, but yeah, I, I think Edmonton will win. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. Uh, it's For me, I'd say yes. I think that they, they needed a good goalie mm -hmm. and they got it. Yeah. Let's hope he can play that good for Loyler's sake. If he goes down, then what? True. Um, but uh, or, or if they realized maybe he was he he had some decent defensemen in front of him, Toronto, and it was not all the same. I, I think the Oilers are going to be a huge threat this year, and I do agree. I think they'll be in the final four. Um, best Nickelback song. Uh, I mean, I don't like Nickelback at all, so I guess I'll say like their cover of Saturday Night. So all right for fighting by Elton John, uh, because they play that on TV, and they didn't write it. Okay, uh, let me see, uh, what's, uh, yeah, Flat on the Floor is the song I really like from Nickelback. It's like one. Of, it's like probably one of their heaviest songs. Okay. And they, they released a like a little teaser of a new song, and it was pretty heavy. It mm -hmm. was like double bass, and like it sounded like it could have been actually a pretty decent heavy song. Hasn't been released yet. Okay. Nickelback has some good songs. People love to hate them, but. It's true. They actually, if you go. It's easy. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, they do make it easy on themselves. And but fun. But, uh, Birth of the Ground's a good song. That's a good intro song for... Yeah. Fine. You're boring. I'll just uh, listen to Mastodon. But they're not good. That's a big difference. Oh, my God. What do you... No. There, there's one song on Mastodon I like. I think it's Blood and Thunder. 
Blood and Thunder is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Song, that yeah. whole album is incredible. It's all about Moby Dick. Okay, well, to be fair, it's the only song I probably could remember off my all head. Right. But that was from Need for Speed Most Wanted, which had a great soundtrack. Right. I gotta, I gotta school you on some Mastodon because they're um, incredible. Go for it. Yeah. All right, so the Hurricanes are going back to their black alternates as their main jersey. Yes. And to me, that was one of my favorite jerseys in the league. Okay. I tried to get one a couple years ago. It was going to be a Svechnikov jersey. They ran out, and I got sent to a Ryan Miller Ducks jersey. Not at all. Interesting. What other teams should move their alternates to become a permanent jersey? Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Because I do agree with the Hurricanes making that change. I just, I, I kind of okay. wish it was the Hurricane logo. Because uh-huh. because now, like, it's neither jersey has their actual team logo on it. Yeah, I guess if they're going with the Canes one, yeah. So. Like the Canes. Yeah. So, alternate jerseys. Um, I would say, well, I mean, do the Kings still use the... Purple and gold, everyone. The forum blue and no, gold. No, I think they moved that on? with the gray, the old uh, like '90s one, the gray one with the silver helmets. Okay, I would say the Kings because uh, I the logo they use now is one of my least favorite that they've had. Yeah, if they went back to the Gretzky era Chevrolet logo, yeah, that would be my ideal. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Kings, and it's basically whatever alternate they have. Right now, so, or even just their retro reverse jersey. If they if they wore oh, that all the time, that'd be cool. I would be totally stoked. That was a beautiful jersey, and also amazing. I think that was one of the first games like Byfield played. So when you look for pictures of Byfield, it's like a lot of him in that like that nice reverse reverse retro. I right. think if you got if you have a cool reverse retro, that's when you got to call up all your prospects and stuff. So there's pictures. So of we them. have pictures of them, and they're yeah. in cool jerseys, not generic jerseys. Um, for me, like I love black jerseys. I've mentioned that before. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Flyers black thirds. I really like those oh, ones. Yeah. I think that those are just they look really cool with their colors. Yeah. I'm a big fan of black as a main with like a bright secondary color. Sure. My NHL 22 jerseys are black and neon green. Gotcha. Which then you're probably gonna guess my other pick was Dallas. the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Uh, my just my one issue there is just there's no like color contrast in it, so it's like right. either darkest or super bright, and it's uh, like that's kind of tough to look at at points. But yes. I just like how bold it is. Nice TME bold. Um, a form of Pantera is returning to play some shows. Yeah. What broken up band needs to make a return? Uh Fugazi. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think they're. Even, they might even just be on indefinite hiatus. I mean, they might not even technically be broken up, but I don't think they've played together in like fifteen years. Um, but all their members are still around. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's Fugazi for sure. This one was really tough because actually most of the bands I wanted to see live uh, one more time have actually come back in recent weeks. Mm. Um, what was me being one of them? They made the most generic metalcore stuff. <laughs> um, I thought they were great. Um, they haven't officially broken up, but they haven't also been active in years. Uh, I want to go. Th- I'm going to go with issues, and they actually are the band that formed out of what was me. Uh, they basically shut down when their singer Tyler Carter was accused of some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the band as a whole was like they were like metalcore meets like R and B, and it was like a really unique sound that had such a great first album and so much pr- uh, promise, mm. and then. Then they got in trouble, and then that was the end of the band. But I would like to see them come back. But it was like, my picks were My Chemical Romance, and they're back. Right. Guns and Roses with Slash, they're back. Yeah. Even recorded new music with them. Uh, Lois Me, Pantera, Attack Attack, and all those bands have come back in like recent years. So that's actually, it's unfortunately, I don't have a lot of other good ones. Um, maybe a special shout out to, again, another band that's not active right now, Stone Sour, Corey Taylor's other band. I thought made some really good hard rock music and they've kind of just stopped where Corey Taylor's focus on Slipknot mm-hmm. until that eventually ends. Um, which goalie in the post-lockout era has the best goalie mask? Ooh, in the post-lockout era. That's tough because like so many of the classics were pre-lockout. Yes, and see the prob- part of the issue is goalies will switch masks like sometimes multiple times a year now. Yeah. You know what? I feel like Pecorine had really good masks. He did. Yeah, I'm gonna go. That's the first one that jumps to mind for me. And Henrik Lundqvist had great ones too because they were usually kind of like Statue of Liberty themed or like yeah. New York themed. So um, yeah, I'll go with either Rene or Lundqvist. Mine, the one I, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I really liked David Abisher's Montreal mask, um, but uh, I'm gonna go with Ryan Miller. Uh, his mask kind of evolved a little bit in the it's like the sabers he had basically the same design the whole time but yeah. it was like whatever the colors were they changed mm. i really like the buffa slug arrow one um 
which I, it was just because I thought that the yellow and blue really stood out really well. Sure. I like those. Um, but there's a lot of good also, like, trying to think back, and there's a lot that really kind of, that were good helmets that carried over past mm. the lockout. Uh, of course, Marty Broder had the same helmet pretty much his whole career. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Um, John Blanket, who I was trying to think of. Kippersoff had a really awesome one. Yeah, but true, he, that true. also, he kind of made that popular before the, the lockout. Or the, yeah. um, Jose Theodore, he was in Montreal for a little bit, and I really liked the one. I also like Kirsten Hueys, where he had like all the kids uh, with the Montreal Canadiens jerseys. Mm. Um, I thought that one was kind of cool, but... Um, I don't know. I, I came up with that question, and I love goalie helmets, and it was a lot harder than I thought. Um, oh, Eddie Belfort also, like, they, he carried over his helmet. Yeah, that to me is, like, the classic. I liked Cujo's version of his helmet in Calgary a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of cool helmets now. They kind of just kind of change. But Vasilevsky's got a really cool one now where, well, a couple of them, I guess, because, like, the one that's, like, by Glow kind of. Like, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I'm interested to see where goalie tech ends up going. It's a good point. I, I know one guy I saw was trying to make a goalie helmet that had LED lights in it. Mm. Uh, but it was just like, how do you like, how do you all make it so it's strong enough where if it gets hit, it doesn't yes. like shatter everywhere? Yes. But it's like, if you could have one that's got like a cool light up effect, like that'd be kind of cool. So, kind of unnecessary, but like, if you could do it, it's cool. But um, I also saw one goalie mask prototype where it was clear. Oh. The whole thing was clear. That would be weird in, in practice. Oh yeah, well, and and, and, and yeah, uh, <laughs> and when I, when I say practice, I don't mean like practice. Physically practice. I mean like if you actually saw it in the game, you'd be like, "That looks weird." Which I think is kind of the point. Yeah. Going back to like the weird stuff that we used to see back in helmets, right. where they were like legitimately terrifying. Yes. They're not scary anymore. Yeah. Let's go back to scaring people. Um, so, uh, and then I also liked. Oh, okay. You know what? No, I'm going to change my mind. Stephen Valakat's uh, Spider-Man helmet. There you go. I was also getting John Gibson's Pac-Man helmet. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there there was a few good music related ones, but uh, nothing. And then I loved the Carnage uh, Carter Hart one, but sure. that was like really short lived. I think it was like half a season. So, mm. uh, all right, that's it for this podcast. It was a bit of a lengthier one. We answered a lot of questions for this one, but a lot of fun. It was good. glad to be back in studio. So, uh, again, thank you very much for Sherwood to Sherwood. Thank you very much to Ben MGM. Thank you very much, Ryan, and we'll see you guys again soon. I can feel my-